All right, everyone, welcome to episode 83 of the Sports Bragging Podcast, and it's time for the Wednesday Conversation. And in this episode, I'm starting a brand new series within the podcast called the Superfan Series. The Superfan Series, well, you kind of, hopefully you understand what that is. The Superfan Series, I'm talking with fans of particular teams, kind of about their passion, why they like their teams, or kind of run through some of the uh, ins and outs of their particular squad this season, next season, you know, wherever they are in their timeline. And in today's episode, I had a chance to sit down with Eric Kelly. I've known Eric for a number of years now. We've had a lot of spirited conversations about college football, and I know that he's very passionate about Notre Dame football, and I thought it would be appropriate to have, have him on as our first super fan. And we talked about so many cool things. He kind of educated me a lot about the program, um, kind of talking about this past season, what's coming up this upcoming season, his origins as a fan, um, how he feels about head coach Brian Kelly. And and, and he had some really great things to say, as you'll hear in, in the podcast episode, and some other things. And we also had a great conversation about college football in general. So I think if you are a Notre Dame fan, if you're a college football fan, or if you're both, I think you'll really enjoy this episode. So I hope you'll stick around uh, after the music. And so to kind of quote uh, Mike Tirico, the voice of Notre Dame football and NBC after the music, here come the Irish. Stay tuned. everyone welcome to the sports wagon podcast and this particular episode is a new type of show a new type of uh, product i want to bring to you on this podcast so this is the beginning this is the first super fan show so the super fan series and i thought that it would be great to have on the person who influence this. So through our conversations about college football and more specifically what we're going to talk about today, Notre Dame football, I figure he would be the perfect guest to start off this series. His name is Eric Kelly. Um, so we were colleagues and I've gotten to know him and he's a fantastic guy uh, when we work together at my current job, which I will not say where, <laughs> but um, Eric, welcome to the Sports Wagon Podcast. Man, awesome. How are you doing? And I'm doing great. Excited to be here. Um, All right. And I, I'm looking forward to, to seeing what some of the other uh, topics are here in the future, too. Notre Dame football and then where else it dives into. That's <laughs> well, I'm not going to give you – I mean, I have ideas. I mean, I've got oh, – no, you know, no. there are other there are other teams yeah. I have in mind, but they're, they're going to – are definitely some pro teams, some college teams. You know, i got a few – got a few yeah. tricks on my sleeve, and I'm trying to work that out. But we'll, we'll see how it goes. Absolutely. 
right, all right. Um, so let's start here. Let's as we're gonna talk about Notre Dame football. So we're gonna podcast like champions today. So oh, please, Notre Dame football, please don't sue me. Okay. <laughs> um, but let's start at the beginning here. So um, when did you become a Notre Dame fan? Like what was the influence or what thing got you into hooked on Irish football? Yeah. So uh, pretty early on, I mean, let's, let's say my dad grew up in South Bend, Indiana. So he, uh, he grew up a Notre Dame fan, um, probably two, three miles from the stadium. So of course, being on the outskirts there, it, it's hard to avoid, especially with such a national brand like that, being so close to it. Mm-hmm. So uh, I remember being, uh, I don't know, probably five, six years old, uh, watching Bob Davey lose to everybody he could. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> but watching, uh, you know, I'm just sitting in the room, but I'm watching my dad as he's watching the games. And uh, the thing that always I flash back to is, uh, of course, I don't remember exactly what happened, but at one point I remember him getting so excited that he jumps up and he smacks the ceiling fan, breaks the ceiling fan, but, and then, you know, just celebrating afterwards. And that way it just kind of, oh man. And if the coolest person in the world to me thinks this is the coolest thing in the world, then, uh, then that's really when I, I started to get hooked. Um, and I'm pretty sure he regrets the monster he made. Um, <laughs> Cause he, he's cooled off over the years, but, uh, but he now has fun uh, poking at me and prodding at me as, as time goes on with it. But I would say as far as when I really started to get into it, um, I like to call it like the Jarius Jackson years. He was he was the first kind of quarterback player that I really jumped to and, and admired watching, and he was so exciting for me to watch. And um, that's when I really started getting into Notre Dame football to the point where I was understanding what was going on. Right. Okay. So you kind of talked about uh, you know being five, six, like watching your dad, and yeah. kind of it, it wasn't more so what was happening on the television, but it was more so watching your dad react to what was on the television. But let's kind of take it a little step further. So what is like your earliest memory of watching the game when you actually started really understanding the game? Like what was your earliest, fondest memory? You know, um, to where I really started understanding the game, um, of course, like I mentioned, the uh, 97, 98, I'm watching it. Don't really quite know because I think I'm probably around eight years old at that time. So I have an idea. I see what's going on, but you don't really quite know it. Um, Earliest memory was a bit devastating, I think, when I really started getting into it was uh, Eric Crouch came to South Bend and he, he just torched. I mean, he just torched my Irish. And I remember that for that being the first time that the the next 20 years of disappointment would (laughs) would settle in with me. Um, But the most exciting like time and, and unfortunately, understandably, he has a 
bit of an interesting rap with Notre Dame. I think he got a bit of a raw deal, but uh, I love Tyrone Willingham. Oh, and, yes. Uh, and his first season, um, still to this, this day, is one of the most remarkable, exciting things I, I can think back to. And that's when I know I, I started becoming a diehard. Because I think it was the first six, first seven games going undefeated without scoring an offensive touchdown. It was just ridiculous. Um, So, of course, then Tyrone Willingham leads into Brady Quinn. And then eventually Brady Quinn into um, the Charlie White years. But uh, there was a combination of, of watching the game, but also Tyrone something that really hooked me with the Notre Dame football was I remember a certain player, star linebacker, Courtney Watson. Mm-hmm. I remember when he got benched for academics and I know that's stuff happens all the time, but it wasn't like he was failing a class. It was like, he didn't show up to a class. Ooh. And I remember, I remember hearing Tyrone benched him and it just, there's something that set with me that, Okay, there's a different standard here, which I thought was was interesting. And I know that ebbs and flows with different coaches, but that's when I learned things are done a little bit different here. Um, whatever your opinion is on it, it varies with people. But uh, right, that's right. another thing that that has always I've kind of taken pride in as as a fan of of the Irish. Yeah, we we've we've talked about the whole Tyron Willingham thing. And I, you know, for me, I thought I totally agree with you. He totally got screwed. I mean, he, yeah. I mean, he was, you know, he was such a good football coach and uh, was, he was at Stanford. Then he went to Notre Dame, he went to Washington. Now after Notre Dame, he went to Washington. He didn't do so well, yeah. but I always respected him as a coach. And like I said, he just didn't get the time. Like I said, if Bob Davey got uh, was like eight yeah, years or something ridiculous like that. Yeah. And they cut him at, cut him off the knees after like four or five. I mean, come on, dude. It's like, it's got to get better. I mean, you, you hired a quality coach, you know? Well, and that's the other thing too, is that uh, when Charlie came in, it's not like he all of a sudden brought all his guys with him. So a lot of people say that the cupboards were kind of bare when Tyrone left, but in the same right, I mean, I think, you know, BCS bowl game the first year of Charlie. So it's not like there weren't players there, you know, there was a Samarja there, there was a Quinn there, Darius Walker, you know, the list goes on and on and on. So in college football, three years, I mean, that, that is nothing. Just oh, yeah. get a program going. <laughs> well, and, and people like Charlie Strong, I feel like he got a raw deal at Texas because they were pulling the rug out from under him before he even was getting his stuff going. They were undermining what he was doing. Mm-hmm. And same with Willie Taggart. I mean, there's there's some, and I know there's interesting parallels there too, but. Uh, well, Yes, very much so. Um, with with Taggart, though, I read an article, and I may have talked about this in a previous episode, but with Taggart, there were some very serious issues with just how the money was being controlled at Florida State. So starting with Jimbo Fisher, because Fisher, yep. you know, people were saying how, how disappointed he was. And when he was talking to the boosters, you know, they he was saying, look, you know, we need, you know, at one, you know, before, you know, under Bowden, they were killing it. 
So he leaves, turns with the the, uh, Fisher, and then, you know, you start to see the tide turn because you look at other programs. We have Clemson and Alabama. They getting the money. They're building bigger and bigger facilities. They're expanding the stadiums. They're bringing in the recruits. Florida State couldn't keep up. So when Fisher's like, look, I need money to make this happen in there, dragging their feet, I don't know, da-da-da. That's what he rolled off. Texas A&M, they paid him the money. They've yep. got the facilities. Taggart comes in. He kind of gets handcuffed in that way, too, outside of other issues. Yep. And then, as we know, he only lasted, what, a season and a half. So, yeah, it's – but it but it all boils down to money, you know? No, absolutely. I mean, at, at the end of the day. But in the same right, I, I don't know how some of these programs, they – that's why I've always been a huge Brian Kelly fan, even through the rough years, even through the uh, the beginning when there were some interesting scenarios that occurred. But, um, I mean, we are right now as a as the football team, and of course I call myself we because I think I'm running out there on the field with them. But um, <laughs> this for someone who's my generation, this is kind of like a golden age right now. And this doesn't happen if uh, if he doesn't get the time that he's had. Mm-hmm. Because it took a long time to figure out, here's the formula to succeed in this environment. And uh, and I think really striking, you know, iron while it's hot right now because of that. Mm-hmm. So with Tyrone in particular, too, I, I think that I would have loved to have seen him get a couple more years just to see his full classes in. Mm-hmm. His full philosophy, what was going on, but uh, but he was one of the big ones who really hooked me in early on for sure. Standing, and I think he would have been an amazing athletic director. I, you I would, know, I would love to see that. I totally agree with you on that. Um, because I think I don't know if he still is. He was on the college football playoff committee for a little bit. I don't know if he still is, but. Yeah. I mean, he seems to have a knack. I mean, he he's very his um his persona seems to be very you know I don't want to say political, but he seems very you know like he could you know do the coaching or he could kind of like Barry, Barry Alvarez at Wisconsin. Yeah, so he was the you know football coach. Well, okay, now I'm going to transition over to being the AD, and that was a a clean uh, transition for Alvarez because essentially he was beloved, you know, for a long time. I I believe he went to Wisconsin, if I recall correctly. And there you go. So it just, it would just, it just made sense. You know, he was a, he was a big part of Lou's success too. Right. Exactly. So Mm -hmm. absolutely. But I I think I would have loved to see him as an AD though, but. (laughs) Well, you know, that's how it goes. Right. Um, Gosh, there's a couple things. I mean, there's a couple things that you know. I'm looking at my notes. I'm like, man. Uh, so let me ask you this. Um, so you, so so your dad grew up outside of South Bend. So I'm sure you've been there a bunch of times. Yeah. Um, describe South Bend on a Saturday. A um, game day. I mean, you're given. Uh, I mean, just when you say it, uh, goosebumps come to it, and and I think it's probably like you know, any fan of any environment, but then it's also different. Um, there's so much pageantry to it. Um, that's something that really stands out. I, I, I know I talked to you before. I have a, a best friend who uh, 
who was a UVA graduate. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I find myself rooting for the who's a little bit, but, uh, but <laughs> thumbs up. <laughs> he's a diehard um, sports fan in general too. And, and, you know, I, I've been talking his ear off for almost 15 years about how it's just different when you get to a game in South Bend. And um, mm-hmm. he always believed, yeah, I'm sure it's great. So blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and we actually got out there uh, the season before last. I took him out with me. And, um, and, and I'll go further into describing it, but it was so awesome to see that moment where it was like, oh, yeah, this is different. There isn't anything quite like this. Um, the fans are ridiculously nice. Like okay. you, they are welcoming you. When not not me, but say the opposing um, okay. fans, they come up and they welcome them to South Bend. Mm-hmm. Welcome to South Bend. So happy to have you here for the game, right? which is just wild in general to think about <laughs> for sports. The, uh, the ushers, you know, the first thing that welcome to South Bend, welcome to Notre Dame Stadium. But, you know, going from on game day, you get there, you go, you know, just for the sake of it, you go through the Basilica, you go to the grotto, um, mm-hmm. And you, you kind of get a feel for, okay. And then all of a sudden the noise starts to, to build a little bit. You have the, um, the band march on the stadium, which, which is, I still think that's more exciting than anything else when, you know, oh, we're getting close to game time now because they're marching across the campus. And when they march across the campus, all the fans are lined up, right? But as they pass, all the fans get in line and march behind, right? So it's okay. it, it, it's kind of this interesting, like, I don't, I'm, it's not war. I'm not Kellen Winslow saying this is war, <laughs> but it, it, it's got this sense to it, right? That you're part of it, right? That they're, mm-hmm. they're leading you in. Um, so at that point, then uh, the players, they have the player walk, which, uh, which is is really cool in itself too. It's it's not anything any other school doesn't doesn't do. But they used to go from mass um, to the player walk, but I think now they go straight from. They still do mass in the morning, but they uh, I think they come from the Goog, which is like their um, football complex. But uh, there's such an energy ju- just starts building when you know the player walk is coming. Um, all of a sudden it goes from just a line on the sidewalks to now the line is, you know, 20, 25 people deep, just trying to, you know, kids are getting on the top of their parents' shoulders and, you know, grown adults are fighting through to try and get to the front of the line. So you can be, you know, right where the players are walking by. Um, There's just some sort of, mystique to it there's a friendliness to it i mean the campus is beautiful um especially on a fall day um so there's and that and that's you know the lead up to it is an event of itself before the game even starts um 
the as far as when the game, you know, you're getting close. Um, it, it's really unique. I've always enjoyed the fact that the national anthem, uh, they don't have someone come out and sing it, right? The stadium sings it together, which is something that that I've always thought was really cool. Um, uh, and then it's only recently that they started pumping music in. Um, it, I want to say when I was there in 2015, all the music was from the bands and, and all that. So, so they've, they've had some changes where people have gotten irked and I like the old ways better, but, uh, but they're also trying to compete with, with, you know, what's going on today. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it, it's just an experience and, and what I say can't justify it. It's just something that I hope, you know, I want to go to other stadiums and other venues and, and see those things. But uh, I used to feel like I had to justify to people like telling them all this stuff. And now it's just like, you know what? If you want to miss out, you miss out. This is this is something you should really do once. If you're a if you're a diehard sports fan or diehard, you know, football fan, like like I think of I, I want to go to a Duke basketball game. So bad. oh oh yeah, definitely. I do too, for sure, for sure. Yeah. So you answered like my next question because of would you definitely urge a sports fan to put going to a game in South Bend? A football game on Saturday on their bucket list. So you're unequivocally yes. <laughs> I I think so. I mean, I think if you're a, if you're a real diehard sports fan or you know even a, just a big college football fan, then uh, then I would I would definitely say it's it's worth it. Even if you hate Notre Dame with a passion, because I know there's <laughs> trust me. Yeah. I, yeah. Where my my gear around, I hear it all the time. But uh, right, 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 right. But there's there's just something different, and uh, and I, I everyone I've gone to, every friend I've gone to a game with, because there's been others that I've taken out. Uh, mm-hmm. They've they've gotten that experience too, where it's like, okay, I still think you're a lunatic, but <laughs> I kind of understand you a bit better now. So, right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Um, you mentioned um, Brian Kelly, and I, I kind of want you to because you said that you know you're Brian Kelly all the way. Yep. Grade him. Give him a grade. So from what he's done from day one to now, give him a grade. See, I, I mean, it's hard because I know I'm I'm biased, and I and I know I just said this is a a golden age for us. Um, yeah, I'm a homer for him. Um, <laughs> That's fine. That's, hey, look, this is a super fan show for a oh, reason. Yeah. So if you're a homer, oh, no, no. hey, be a homer. It's all good. You know? Well, well, it's, it's such an interesting topic, though, because there's a huge segment of the Notre Dame fan base that hates it. Okay. Okay. So hold, hold, put a pin in that. We'll come back to that. Cause that is one of my questions, but yeah. Go, so go ahead and we'll, we'll come back to that. Cause right, I, right. I wrote that out because I'm, I'm sure that, but I wanted to see, I wanted yeah. to gauge you on how many people that can't stand it, but go, but go ahead with your, with your point. With your point. So I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm just going to give them an A. There's been, there's been some stuff that, uh, 
there's a lot that I think that he has to do in his role that I don't think most other coaches in the country have to do in theirs. And I know that that's kind of an age old, uh, um, that's just a pompous Notre Dame fan talking um, point that, that I hear a lot. And it's, it's, I know Alabama is running a, and just to compare it, I know they're running, you know, the same thing, Nick Saban's on the TV, you know, uh, 24 seven. Um, but there's just something about the fan base that's rabid. We we're entitled. We think we deserve um, national championships just because we won a ton of them in the 1920s and 1940s. Um, but I'm glad uh, you said that. I'm glad you said that because I I, I wasn't gonna. I wasn't going to go that way, but yeah. I'm glad we're having the conversation because I'm glad you said it. Continue. Uh, I'm, I'm a realistic fan, though. Like, I I, I am irrational, but um, but there are um, there are standards that that are required there that are a bit different than than some other top contending schools. Um, they they take pride in their kids graduating. Um Another thing that I'm sure we'll touch on at some point is the ridiculousness of the 2012 season when uh, when those wins got vacated. When they self-reported that mm-hmm. three kids had been caught cheating, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But, but they self-reported that. They took it to the NCAA and they said, here's what happened and so forth. But but he's also navigated the waters of going, all right, I've tried to get some of those guys that were borderline. Mm-hmm. And that's bit us a few times, especially in that, that 2015, 2016 um, um, range where we had some guys that were getting in some trouble that, mm-hmm. that weren't quite fitting um, – you know, what, what their ultimate goal was. Um, but again, there's, there's been some interesting things, but I, I also think back to, I think when I f- fell in love with the guy was, uh, I think it was 2012 season. Um, Lewis Nix, who unfortunately passed away recently, uh, big personality for Notre Dame. They called him Irish chocolate. That was the, the nickname yes. he went by, but uh, uh, there was a game where against Pittsburgh, I'm pretty sure, um, where he, you know, he was giving it his all, but uh, and a reporter kind of, kind of jumped on. Were you disappointed in his performance, such and such, such such? And Brian Kelly just jumped down the reporter's throat a little bit, saying. You know, you don't know what this kid's been through this week. You don't know. It was just so interesting to see him defending him as a man. And, you know, it really appeared that he he really does care about these kids. And, and I've gotten that sense a lot, especially over the last four years, that there's been kind of a, a bit more of a, uh, a, a genuine um, change in his approach. So, so I, I overgrade him, but, but I give him an A. 
because, and, and I'm glad you also touched on that because he's had, you know, there's been some run-ins on the sidelines and, yep. you know, and, and, and it seems to me that that's one of those things that we, we see it, you know, we've seen it with Kelly on, in college basketball, you know, Tom Izzo's kind of gotten yep. caught some flack for that. And I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm 50, 50 on that because, you know, for me, I'm, I'm a little older and I'm a little old school. I've had coaches get in my face and yep. it sucks, but end of the day, you know, you know that they're just trying to just say, look, you know, I need you to focus or to call you out. Um, you know, they'll come back, they'll talk to you, say, hey, look, I know we had it out, but look what you did. You performed at the level I need you to perform at. So, you know, I mean, I guess it's because, you know, with with, with TV, you know, there's like 10,000 cameras, you know, there's a freaking spider camera over the damn stadium. So they catch everything. And so, you know, you see him, dressing down a player and he's, you know, you see the, the, the vein bulging on his yeah. forehead, you know, it's, it's, it's not, it's not pretty. You know? The interesting thing about that though, is, uh, you know, there's only one player. I mean, he, he did it, but there's only one player he really destroyed with that. And that guy's his offensive coordinator. Now he loves that guy to death. Um, uh, Tommy Reese. Yeah. Tommy Reese. Most, mm-hmm. most of those outbursts in those early years, were directed to touchdown Tommy, and uh, Tom, Tommy, he's a he's an interesting figure in the history of it all because you appreciate him, but you still don't know how he was ever the starting quarterback at Notre Dame. Oh my goodness! <laughs> so so so, so that must so that must be a very interesting dynamic between those two. That now he's the offensive coordinator, he's working for his former coach. I'm sure that dynamic is very interesting to, yeah. I mean, for lack of a better way to put it. Well, yeah. I mean, even, even back then he, uh, I mean, he admires the heck out of, out of Tommy and he would say it. And I think that's part of what it was. I think he uh, had so much respect for him that he always expected more, right. Mm-hmm. Whether that's mm-hmm. fair or not fair. Um, mm-hmm. Because he's the only one I really saw take the, uh, the brunt of the abuse regularly like that. Not that other guys didn't get it, but, right. uh, but Tommy got it good. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said, it all worked out in the end. You know what I'm saying? I yeah. mean, look at where he is now. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Hey, he, he might be the next head coach one day. So never know. I, I hope it's, I hope it's, it's, fun, it's funny how you're hitting now. all these points. I'm going, there's other stuff that you're, yeah. What, 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 I, I, let, me, let me write that down. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that because that, that is interesting. Um, so let's, let's kind of pivot towards, um, uh, so the, the, the week, the, the fire Brian Kelly crowd. So you said that you think there's a, I was going to ask you what percentage of the fan base. I mean, so it's a pretty big percentage of the fan base that want him out. Yeah, I mean it's it's kind of it's turned a little bit over the last year or two, um, but you know you I get on the boards because I mean I, I check two or three times a day. I'm on Irish Illustrated. I'm on Irish Sports Daily. I mean I, I know what's going on in recruiting, but mm-hmm. but the point is that you get a good feel for at least what the other fans who are posting are saying, and you know I would say there's a good you know. I would say before it was probably 70%, probably two or three years ago that, mm-hmm. that wanted him out. Um, and when Swarbrick, Swarbrick uh, decided to keep him, uh, that was a very, 
after the the tumultuous three and nine season. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That was a very very big topic of of conversation on the boards and and all that. I'd say there's still probably about forty percent who uh, forty forty five percent who who talk that they they think that you know Urban Meyer is going to come in and and you know win you a national championship and then maybe I'm the one who's like I don't know if I want Urban Meyer to come because I saw what happened to Florida I saw what happened at Ohio State I mean so he's going to come in. We're going to have 170 players get arrested and we're going to get a national championship. What does that mean for the brand that I take so much pride in, you know? Right, right. And I go around being pompous and going, yeah, but we graduate our players. Right, Um, right. So um, I, I think they always think that there's a group that always thinks that, you know, we can get Saban or we can bring Bob Stoops back. You know what I mean? There's there's these crazy crazy ideas out there that that uh, that I really think that uh, and interesting thing is you look at a lot of these like coach rankings and stuff like that that come from you know national writers and stuff like that and consistently Brian Kelly is in the top five you know mm-hmm. and it's it's like let's appreciate what we have right now um, right. But uh, yeah, there's 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 people much more irrational than, than I am. But but I don't think those people really dive into the weeds to see, you know, to understand what some of the challenges are. Um, I mean, because from a scheduling standpoint, from a recruiting standpoint, um, there's a lot of things that that they do that really shoot themselves in the foot. Mm-hmm. Um, but but there are benefits to those things as well. Um, so I think he handles it pretty well. And the other thing is he, everything he says, is is on the news. He's really really good in front of the media, which uh, in press conferences and such, um, which which I don't think he gets enough credit for. Sometimes he gets bit for that, being too honest. Um, but you know everybody's a critic. But there's a, there's a large group of people that are out there that aren't aren't a big fan of his. Wow, the delusion is very very strong. I mean, Saban is going to retire at Alabama. Let's go oh, ahead and yeah. say that right well, now. Those, well, those are the 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 crazy crazies. But the okay, Stoops, okay, okay, okay. The, the Stoops thing was a very real, very common belief among you know mm-hmm. those those message board quotes <laughs> they they thought we were going to bring bob stoops out of retirement and, oh and i mean i like bob stoops but the man hasn't won anything since 2000 so mm-hmm. why, why are we bringing bob stoops out we might as well bring dr lou back if we're gonna bring oh. bob stoops <laughs> oh boy yeah because and like I said, Urban Meyer, you hit the, I mean, you're, you're a smart man. You hit the nail on the head, Urban Meyer. I mean, no disrespect, the man can coach football, oh, but absolutely. he leaves a trail of bodies everywhere he goes. Yes, and he does. I don't know how this Jacksonville Jaguars thing is going to fly. I mean, it's either going to go fairly well or it's just going to blow up in everyone's face that, that those I'm sorry. Those are the only two options for him. I agree with you. I think, I think he's very blessed to, uh, 
who have gotten the quarterback he has. Uh, Correct. Right. That might be his saving grace down there. Possibly. Right. Right. And I don't mean Tim Tebow, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> of course. You're right. Of course. Yeah. Tim. Te- yeah, I don't, don't, don't even get me started on that situation. <laughs> um, but yeah, there, a couple of years, was it, was it a couple seasons ago? Um, folks weren't too happy with, um, oh my gosh, his name just blew, flew out of my head. USC's head coach. And they're all like, you know, he got to go. We want Urban Meyer. I'm going, USC, do y'all really want those problems? Y'all have had enough issues over the last few years. Yeah. I don't think you want that smoke. Yeah. Well, that that's, you know, it's it's funny you say UNC because. Uh, uh, USC, I'm sorry, USC, I'm sorry. Yo, you said USC. I, uh, I'm i sorry, USC, I'm sorry. You're No, you're good. I'm the one uh, mixing it up. I was just <laughs> thinking back to uh, last night, I was, I was having a text conversation with a, a buddy about UNC. Mm-hmm. Uh, and. Uh, we were talking about how it seems like uh, every five years they're really good. Mm-hmm. And then that's when the academic scandal comes out. So we're, we're just waiting for, uh, for in two years for it all to come down again with Mac Brown. Oh, no. I love Mac Brown, but, uh, yeah. but yeah, USC, they, uh, Clay Helton is a, he's, he's providing a stability for them, but he's definitely, He's not helping the brand because um, mm-hmm. they're they're not recruiting at a level that USC should be recruiting at, which which is crazy because you think that just by default they should have a top ten class. I mean, location, um, brand, um, uh, and you. I mean, same thing with with a Miami, but uh, UCLA. UCLA. I mean, these are three programs. I mean, I wasn't, um, I was watching, uh, it was a a few years ago on a college game day and they were talking about Florida uh, when um, their coach was having some issues. um, And he was, uh, it was the Felipe Felipe Franks and they were having some issues with him at quarterback. And um, uh, was it um, Desmond Howard's like, look, I live in Orlando. You can pretty much find a quarterback walking out of Publix. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and and that's Los Angeles. I mean, you you should find a quarterback coming out of Ralphs. Come on, dog. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> you know, there are there are guys. I mean, there are quarterbacks that are coming to the East Coast from California because they just got so many of them out there. Um, right. And how they're not? Well, you know, they they had a guy, and then uh, a guy who's not quite as good. You know, played pretty well, and then they they kind of cut the competition out with uh, JT Daniels. Um, right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, but they should, they should have a five-star quarterback at all times at USC. Yeah. That, have him on speed dial ready to go. You know? <laughs> yeah. well, there was a time where it was, you know, four or five stars. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a slight exaggeration, but there were, there were two five stars and, and two four stars. Um, right in their quarterback room at, at all times. And, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's good. I like seeing them do terrible. So, Well, because that's like Notre Dame's chief rival. So it's just, again, it's, this is all just flowing together very nicely right now. <laughs> I, I only hate one team more than USC. So, um, And then who would that be? Michigan State. I can't stand it. Ah, okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I, well, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not really a, 
I follow them as I'm following the Big Ten, so I can't really speak much on Michigan State, but okay. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> since I don't, I don't, I can't, I can't speak too much on Michigan State. For, yeah, from, it's like from a dark that. turn if we go too far down that. So. Yeah, that, that's a rabbit <laughs> hole we want to avoid today. Um, so you mentioned Tommy Rees as a possible uh, successor. Um, What's funny is um, Clark Lee, who just left, he was defensive coordinator, he went to Vanderbilt, so he went back to his alma mater. And I was reading an article, and they were talking, you know, speaking very highly of him. Um, And they were saying that because, you know, he's, um, you know, he's was very beloved and, you know, did great great things for that defense because God knows that defense needed some work a few years ago. Oh, yeah. Um, People were saying, well, you know, he goes to Vanderbilt, and he does a pretty good job, you know, y'all might see him back in South Bend. And in my head, I'm going, I see what you're getting at, but here's my thing. He's going back to his alma mater. If he does well enough, he's not going anywhere unless Notre Dame shows him some money. But let's kind of talk about Tommy Reese. So is there kind of talk about him possibly being, you know, a head coach, maybe coaching the Irish at some point, possibly? Um, I don't think there's too much, uh, too much about that. I think it's a, I think there's there's a lot if if we continue to have the success we have, if he builds upon what he did last year, because um, mm-hmm. he actually did pretty well for a first year offensive coordinator. I mean, he's like 29 years old. Um, mm-hmm. There hasn't been from you know because I listen to every Irish podcast, I read every article I can. Um, mm-hmm. There's not a ton out there about that. But the thing is, it's an interesting, if you really stop and, and kind of think about think about the whole process, and let's say Brian Kelly does well for the next three or four years, mm-hmm. um, and let's say that Tommy, you know, puts a good offense out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've been together their entire, um, Brian's entire duration of his mm-hmm. career, essentially, other than a little time where Tommy was working as an analyst for the, the Chargers. Um, so if, if you're happy with where your program's at, it's an interesting scenario to think of. But I don't, I don't think Notre Dame fans find it to be a very sexy um, idea. Um, because, you know, we've, we've known this guy forever. And then he, as a quarterback, he was kind of boring, right? Um, <laughs> And that shouldn't play into as a coach because between, you know, he was great as even a freshman at the pre-snap, right? Mm-hmm. It's just he didn't have the arm that he thought he had after mm-hmm. the snap. It was right. it was that kind of thing. But uh, I think it makes a ton of sense. And I think the Clark Lee, what you, what you say about Clark is it makes perfect sense as well. I think there's a couple knock against Clark though mm-hmm. one is uh recruiting prowess um mm-hmm. uh, he uh good recruiter parents want him to be uh the guy for their kids to you know be under his tutelage and under his watch and just as a person um mm-hmm. he's so well regarded in, in that standpoint um but but what is the and I love Clark Lee and and I hope him the best success. But what what are the odds really that he's going to go to Vanderbilt 
and he's going to get enough wins to warrant us to think. I mean, realistically, if he goes six and six at Vanderbilt regularly, that should pique people's interest, uh, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think he'd have to win, you know, nine games, ten games at Vanderbilt too. Mm-hmm. And to your point, if he's doing that at Vanderbilt, why, why jump ship? You're doing it at your alma. I mean, look at Pat Fitzgerald. Oh my gosh! Did. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. He does. He has no interest in leaving. And I've heard about the Brinks truck being backed up to him a bunch of times. Yes. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there's something for the fact that you got called home if you're going to have success. I mean, that's home, right? Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm with you on that. But um, the current the current trend is we're all thinking about how, how, do, we, how do we lock Marcus Freeman into a, uh, into a you know, a um, – Will Muschamp, uh, Jimbo Fisher, <laughs> coach and everything kind right. of, of deal, right? Because he is uh-huh. he is bringing an excitement that uh, I can't think of a coordinator um, in my lifetime uh, mm-hmm. bringing to the program. Um, there's there's some crazy buzz, especially in the in the recruiting world. We're getting into rooms that that we haven't been getting into on the defensive side of the ball. Um, nice. Okay. Which, so he's charismatic. He's smart. Um, he is from all accounts so far, a damn good football coach. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where I think the, if you were to hear in a few months, if we're getting back into the, who's the successor talk. I mm-hmm. think that's where the fan base is going to be kind of, leaning towards because he's exciting he's young and frankly guys relate to him really well that's the other mm-hmm. thing uh, mm-hmm. so hopefully ryan day keeps doing well at ohio state and they stay away from him <laughs> well now so what so he came over from cincinnati right to Notre Dame. correct okay so he was with luke fickle who's the head coach of cincinnati and fickle like i said that Cincinnati team, when he went there, I mean, that team, that Cincinnati team takes on his personality because Fickle's a tough guy. And if anybody, I mean, Ryan Day, I don't see him going anywhere anytime soon. He's, you know, he's relatively young. I mean, unless, you know, a better opportunity came along, who knows where it could be. I I figured they would call Luke Fickle. I mean, I mean, again, Marcus Freeman would be a good option too, but I have a feeling they would call Fickle first. You mean Ohio State or uh, Ohio State? Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, though. That you, it makes you wonder: Would Fickle be interested? Because he right. he kind of got a raw deal with. Uh, yes, that's true. Right, I forgot about that. Yeah, he mm-hmm. took over for Trestle in that mm-hmm. that mess. Mm-hmm. I thought he did a fairly good job considering everything he was. He was dealing with um, right, right, right. And he gets bumped mm-hmm. immediately to a defensive coordinator spot. I don't right. think he's bitter about it. I mean, Urban Meyer is Urban Meyer, but uh, mm-hmm. I, I think that sticks in the back of your mind probably a little bit. Good point. That's that's yes. great. That's speculation, great speculation, speculation. I mean, and that's the thing. It's it's like I like these conversations because again, what you're telling me 
because I hadn't heard any of this. I'm just because I'm not thinking, you know, I was thinking more of that idea of, OK, well, here's Brian Kelly. He's doing his job there. You know, and, and you're telling me, OK, there's a fairly fair, a fair percentage of the, of the fan base who's like, eh, we want this guy out. And then I'm always like, well, who are you going to get? Exactly. Um, yeah. But on the other side, you know, OK, he's doing his job. You know, he's not an old guy, but, you know, things happen. He may find a better opportunity, possibly. I mean, we hope not. Or, you know, over time, you might just say, okay, I'm ready to, you know, go do something else. And then who's going to step in? And again, you've got potentially two coaches that are right there in the program who are potentially primed to take over. And 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 when you have that kind of coaching talent on the sideline, that's really, that's, that's, that's a blessing. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we, uh, as a fan base, we don't get Marcus Freeman's. I mean, and I mm-hmm. that's that's wild to say when uh, when you think you're the brand of brands in college football, mm-hmm. but we we don't get that guy. I mean, I was honestly surprised when uh, when we beat LSU out for him. Now, there's a mm-hmm. bunch of different factors that went into that. A part of that was Brian Kelly to um, the president of the college and the AD and saying, look, if we're committed to getting this done, we got to break open the bank a little bit. Right. And to my knowledge, traditionally, uh, they, they don't make offers until they've gone through, generally speaking to coaches until they've gone through a, a long vetting process. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they were even curtailing some of their own rules to try and land this guy. Um, It's something that's new and different that, uh, that we haven't really seen before, to be honest with you as a fan base. I mean, we got John Tenuta at one point, um, but that went terribly wrong. It wasn't like he was young at that time. I think you guys had a Tenuta experience as well. Yeah, he, he's he's an old hand. I think he's yeah. UVA. That was back in that might have been back during the Welsh years. Um, he was he back for a little while under uh, London, Mike London. Yeah, I think yeah, so. Back in during London, I believe so. Yes, correct. Uh, I think he may have gone Georgia Tech for a little bit. That's where I think most of his his success was. Where yeah, at Tech, Georgia Tech, and and, and you know he's and, and his you know and, and his defenses were very very. Uh, he has some good defenses at Georgia Tech. I, I remember that. Um, but then when I think to you know you know when I heard that you know no they got John Tenuta, I'm going they did what like why like this guy's been a football this guy potentially could have invented football like come on now what are you doing. You know, come on. Isn't there someone else? Can't someone else do it? Like, really? You know, like, what are we doing? Like, oh, gosh. Yeah. That's so crazy. even then, it's not like it's the new toy. Right. So. Right. Yeah. It's something exciting, but it's not. <laughs> we're getting kind of the, you know, iPhone seven. But uh, so Marcus Freeman is something uh, completely different to to this this fan base, in, in my opinion, because mm-hmm. we have a st- uh, Clark Lee, Mike Elko was kind of a star um, mm-hmm. at at Wake Forest. Clark Lee was, you know, like his his protege, who mm-hmm. we managed to keep when Mike Elko left. So I would say even even the hiring of Mike Elko was was a bit exciting, but it's it's nothing like like this um mm-hmm. and 
then he just ditched us after a year. But it worked out well with Lee, you know. He's not yeah. the most exciting guy, but man, that mm-hmm. guy's coach. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it was it was depressing to I think I remember there was it was maybe oh my gosh. Um who's the guy before um so it was Elko. Who's the guy before Elko? His name's escaping me right now. Um, oh, uh, it's 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 burnt into the memory of. Uh, oh, <laughs> Brian Van Gorder. Van Gorder. So I remember. Um, I forget who they played, but I remember just I was doing something. I checking scores, and y'all were just getting washed. Oh yeah. And I'm going. You got to be kidding me. So I turn on the post game, like I hit hit the hit Westwood one in the post game on my tune-in app, and I'm just sitting there going, "Oh man!" I think the next day they fired him. I was like, "Oh!" I was like, "Cause I would look at that score. I'm going, you got there's no this is terrible. I mean, again, when you look at kind of you think about you know these great teams, these, yeah. these teams with legacy in college football, you hear something like you know the way that they were getting washed. I forget, and I forget who it was who they were playing. I want to. It was. What it game was. was. It was everybody we played. Right. But it was somebody that you know, you look at the you look at the uh the odds and you go, okay, Notre Dame should beat them fairly comfortably. Yeah. But I mean, they were just giving up points left and right. And Van Gorder, I mean, I think that Sunday he got axed. I'm going, ugh, I'm going, this is bad. It was, it was. And the the crazy thing about that is uh there are so I look back at that roster sometime in the last year and a half, and I looked at you know, and I go that guy is still in the league, that guy is still in the league. Like, how was this defense bad? Mm-hmm. Like, not just bad, like terrible. Especially when you're looking at the roster and you're like, there there were dudes on that team. Mm-hmm. To steal a, a David Pollock. Uh, term i know he's they're, they're, dudes. They're bad dudes right <laughs> dudes. unfortunately that's become part of my like my talk now david <laughs> it's all good shout out to david pollock now that's a guy <laughs> that's a guy 47 that's a guy watching him play defense Ooh, oh man yeah. i mean but now paula he'll lay a lick on you i watch him play at georgia oh my gosh he i, I think he still could lay some licks on some people he he, he, he's he's still ripped and cut he probably kill somebody right now he was nasty and he was <laughs> um so let's look so let's do this let's let's review the season just not a full review yeah, yeah, yeah. but let's um kind of grade the season so we'll do it two ways let's grade the season without the playoff let's try that first um the there's nothing but uh I mean, I, I don't care if Trevor Lawrence didn't play. Um, you know, we beat Clemson. I don't care about anything. <laughs> that was one of the most exciting games yes. I've ever I've ever seen. Um, their quarterback played amazing. So to grade it, um, I think it was the the Louisville game. Oh, sluggish start. I'm not going to go through all of them. Um, expected um, to be better throwing the ball through the air. Mm-hmm. Turned out we weren't. The offensive line was really, really good. Ian Book, um, you got to love the guy. Um, 
in, in some ways, he was our saving grace. In other ways, he was our handcuff. Um, but I, I wouldn't trade him for any other quarterback in the world last year. But uh, it, it started kind of slow. And then all of a sudden, I want to say it was even the USF game uh, where it was like, oh, my goodness, how many guys are out due to COVID protocol? I didn't know that USF was going to be terrible. Usually they're, they're you know, even for a middle of the road, they still got some guys. Mm-hmm. I didn't expect it to be that bad, though. Mm-hmm. But uh, mm-hmm. but when I saw the second teamers step in and how they performed, and it was like, okay, maybe maybe we got something here. And then to really understand it was with, uh, with Kyron Williams. Um, we haven't had a back or a competitor like that in a long time. A guy that just will not go down. Um, and that's when I started to realize, okay, we really do have something between the defense and and between this amazing running back, veteran quarterback. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I was very disappointed that that the passing game didn't develop more. I mean, uh, Michael Mayer, fantastic uh, freak tight end that uh, everybody's going to get to know a bit better. Um, but I think that was really kind of the downfall of the season for us was that uh, – we couldn't get the ball to the perimeter. Um, and you're going to go into play a team like Alabama or the ACC championship with a team like Clemson. You, I was hopeful at that point that, uh, that we were going to have not a prolific passing game, but a complimentary passing game. Mm-hmm. And uh, unfortunately that just wasn't there. So I think it was a great season. Um, I think anybody who, who is a true fan, you, all you can ask is to be in the fight. Um, your guys did everything they could. Um, but frankly, their guys were just better. Um, and I think that's why this upcoming season is interesting because we're changing styles of quarterback. Um, I don't know what exactly that'll do. It could be good, could be bad. Grass is always greener, but uh, yeah. I mean, it was a fun ride. I, uh, if you're gonna start a season and say the only two teams you're gonna lose to are Clemson and Alabama, I think there's about 126 teams that would sign up for that. Um, <laughs> I think everybody was signing for that. Everybody. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I don't want to lose to either of them. I expect when we go to play the game, I expect we're going to find a way to win. But uh, mm-hmm. I mean, there's we're down forty-seven to nothing. I still think. All right, uh, three touchdowns, three two-point conversions. Like I'm, I'm doing the math. Like how we can do this. Um, Couple onside kicks, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So uh, at the end of the day, it hurts, it stings. But uh, I mean, who else? I mean, someone's got to try and step up to them. So mm-hmm. I'm glad my guys did. And I'm glad that uh, 
going to keep trying. But the, those those two schools are full of freaks, man. I mean, they are currently both the class of college football. I mean, oh, yeah. again, it all goes back to what we talked about a few minutes ago. It's, it's that money trail. You know, you got the money, you can get the facilities, and then from there, you know, you can go out and you can say, hey, look, come here. Look what we got. You know, I mean, I think Clemson has a bowling alley. I mean, they their football complex, Clemson's football complex – takes up like it looks like a professional football complex oh, like absolutely. it takes up a section yeah. of the campus and they just got every amenity you can think of i mean but all these schools are just putting money into you know football complexes basketball you know you you, you know how it works and mm-hmm. uh and, and and that's kind of and that's and that's where it all starts and then you know, performance and then from performance leads to, you know, the coaching and the coaching leads to championships. I mean, you know, with the, you know, coaching the players yeah. to get in these championships. So yeah, it's, it's all, it's all together, man. And, and, it's, it's and, and the other thing is you go to Alabama and you spend four years at Alabama and you do what Nick Saban tells you to do. There's a good chance you're going to cash some paychecks in the NFL. Oh, no doubt. Even if you're mm-hmm. a backup. So mm-hmm. So they are just so loaded um, mm-hmm. that I think casual fans don't really understand the difference between the talent that those schools are, that the Alabamas and the Clemson, not quite as much as Alabama. Clemson, Clemson, they do recruit well, but not, not to that Alabama standard. I don't mm-hmm. think fans understand the talent difference between um, – I mean, even in Oklahoma and in Alabama, you know, mm-hmm. Oklahoma's mm-hmm. fun to watch, but they don't recruit like Alabama does. Nobody does. They don't. They don't. And they don't play defense like Alabama either. But then <laughs> no Big 12 school plays defense, you know, if you really think about it. They, they got a bunch of Brian Van Gorders out there. <laughs> yeah, that, that drives me wild, um, the Big 12 defense. But uh, again, it drives you wild. But I think it's probably better for you to say it drives you wild that they have no defense. That, I mean, yeah, defense, oh, yeah, exactly. what defense? <laughs> well, I mean, it's infuriating to watch because it's it's those kids out. Those are good football players out there. Yeah, yeah. How are they not being put in any position to be successful? I mean, anytime I watch a Big Twelve game, you see the final score, you ask yourself. Did Texas and Texas Tech play a football game or a basketball game? That's what the scores look like. It's ridiculous. 100%. 100%. And it's not even like so, a UVA basketball game, you know? UVA basketball game is like 50 to 40. No, that was what – it would be a UVA halftime basketball. Halftime <laughs> score would be the final score of a football game. Like, come on, guys. What? Ugh. Let's exactly. get this together, you know? Exactly. Gosh. Um. So taking all that into consideration, um, looking at the season, so without the college football playoff, we'll be talking A, B, C, what are we, what are we talking about the, I mean, without the playoff? I mean, we won every game we should have won. Um, mm-hmm. And we won one that, frankly, nobody thought we were going to win, even, even with Trevor Lawrence out. Right. Um, so, I mean, it, for me, it's easy to – to give it an A. I mean, if we were to go through and grade game by game by game and then mm-hmm. average it out, I don't think it comes up to an A because mm-hmm. 
Um, I, I'm much more critical than I am, generally speaking, than I am, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I, I get a lot of crap for you're up 42 to nothing on USF. Why are you sitting there shaking like, like they're going to come back on you, right? Um, that's, I get a lot of that from friends and family and, and, and that type of stuff. And so I, I'm much more harsh uh, when it comes game to game, play to play. But uh, at the end of the day, all you can ask for is to be, to be in contention. And, mm -hmm. and no matter how we got there, we were there, right, wrong, indifferent. Right. Okay, let me give you some advice. 42 nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Relax. I yeah. think they got it. If it's forty it was forty two seven. Relax. They got it. The, the funny thing is, and I don't think people know it, I, I'm thinking about um I'm thinking about when the I mean I watched the spring game and I watched it twice. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking about all right, the two deep. Like I know we're up forty two nothing. But I want to see the guy who's two years away from starting. Like, I want to see him go after it. Mm -hmm. I want to see the backup quarterback um, mm -hmm. sling it around a little bit. I, mm -hmm. So, even though we're winning, we're up 42 nothing. I, I want our backups to be, you know, that, that's part Ready. of the time. Ready. Yeah. And, and there was mm -hmm. a long time in the Brian Kelly era where we weren't putting our foot on, you know, the gas at the end of the game. We weren't mm -hmm. going for the kill shot. Mm -hmm. And and that's built kind of that up a little bit too, where there's been some games that we've lost in some pretty epic fashion. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, you can think of Denard Robinson in particular, but uh, yes. he mm -hmm. tortured us. But, uh, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I remember a game we had against Northwestern that uh, – that the game was over. We had to kneel. And we fumbled the football on a handoff. Northwestern drove down and won the game. So, I mean, there's been lots of years of it's not over till it's over that have, right. that have taught me that. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So you give the season a pretty high grade. Yeah. Not considering the CFP. Now, if you consider the CFP, does the grade drop? Does it, I mean, I don't know. Does it drop? Does it stay the same? I can't say increase because the grade is pretty high. I mean, yeah. does the CFP affect, the CFP performance, does it affect the overall season grade? Um, I mean, I, th I think it does from the standpoint of, I mean, the expectation is that, that you want to win. I mean, the expectation mm -hmm. is you pass the test mm -hmm. or at least that you, you know, you put up a fighter's chance. And uh, mm -hmm. I don't say it really impacts the grade of the season because I really do think that, that our guys did everything that they could do. Um, it definitely puts a damper on it, though. Um, but I think it would be wrong for me as a fan as how I like to root for them to downgrade them when there's something to be said for when you think they've done all they can do. Um, and I think that team, 
achieved beyond its what it should have um, okay. from defensively outstanding offensive running game, but, but you got to be able to throw the ball these days. And, mm-hmm. and we could not do that. Um, mm-hmm. But they darn sure tried, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, I know you don't get A's for effort, but, uh, but when you're doing everything humanly possible, Mm-hmm. And the only thing that takes you down is two, you know, superhuman programs. Then uh, mm-hmm. I can't be. I'm not going to let it. I'm not going to let it rain on the grave. They did okay. great. I'm proud of them. All right, all right. That's yeah. fair enough. So let's see. So let's look ahead. So Ian Book. So he is the all-time winningest quarterback in program history. He is out the door. Got his degree, and he's off to bigger and better things, but walking in from Wisconsin transferring is Jack Cohn. Um, the quarterback situation, are we looking at a competition? Is Cohn the heir apparent? Like, how, what's what's it shaping up to look like a quarterback? So uh, there was a perception that there was a battle all spring. Uh, we have a kid from uh, from Virginia who uh, who – well-regarded fighter, but he, and he was kind of this, not senior, but he was the veteran left over, but he had a, uh, a bad knee injury that, that he's having trouble getting over. So he's missed the entire spring. Mm-hmm. Essentially he's out of the battle. Okay. Um, so it came down to most of the talk of the spring was between Drew Pine, who uh, from Connecticut, uh, six foot, uh, very accurate, you know, very smart, kind of Ian Book-esque. Um, okay. And then Jack Cohn. Um, I think the battle was led to to be a, maybe a little tighter than it was for the sake of competition. Um, first spring game, or first time I watched the spring game, I was like, yeah, this is a competition. Second time I watched the spring game, I was like, oh, no, Jack Cohn is the quarterback, right? Because okay. you're taking the rose-colored glasses off a little bit when you're mm-hmm. you're not seeing it through the excitement that I've been waiting for football for. Right. Uh, I think he is the, the clear starter. Um, but we do have the first quarterback since, I don't know. I mean, there was Gunnar Keel, but let's say since Jimmy Clausen mm-hmm. that uh, – everybody is freaking out about uh and that is tyler buckner a california kid mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. there you go <laughs> if, if you look at those uh if you look at the high school stats it makes no sense it looks like you know you were playing ncaa football um on easy mode with 12 minute quarters <laughs> um it, it's just unbelievable but uh Big arm, can run, incredibly smart. Um, he's the kind of quarterback that we don't normally get of late. That might be recruiting um, specific kind of guys, too. I think Brian's very particular in, in what he likes in quarterbacks and qualities and all that. But uh, he, uh, he, he is the heir apparent. So Jack Cohn is kind of 
the gap year. Um, but but I expect he's going to have a pretty solid year. But uh, Tyler Buckner is the is the the Jimmy Clausen for lack of better comparison, um, just from the hype standpoint. Um, a little less of a of a of a diva though. So Cone is now Buckner is the future. That's that's kind of where everybody's kind of looking at it. We don't want to count Pine out because you don't want to mm-hmm. count anybody out. But uh, mm-hmm. but you know Ian Book, um, he was an afterthought to when Phil Jerkovic was coming in, and Phil mm-hmm. had a great year at Boston College last year. But yeah, uh, he did. He did. He really did. He. Uh, he couldn't figure it out when he was at, uh, at Notre Dame and, you know, he couldn't beat out an Ian book, which that's, that's a hard guy to beat out when you're in college and he's a senior, but, uh, right, right, right. So Ian wasn't ever expected to be the guy that he was. Um, mm-hmm. so don't want to count anybody out, but yeah, Tyler Buckner is the future. And then of course, Arch Manning, we're, we're going to land, uh, right. Yeah. So, so Arch Manning is in, so he's in, so is he, is he in the running? I mean, is he, is he considering Notre Dame or well, he's, that? He's, he's considering everybody. He's considering, he's taking a, a visit to UVA too. Stop think, it. No, I'm dead serious. Are you serious? Yeah. I think his big, come. his big sister goes there or something like that. So really? Yeah. He, he ain't going to UVA. But, okay. It would be crazy if he did, but I don't know much about his, like, I mean, we know it's Cooper's kid and yeah. I don't know much about his playing style, but, but you guys, if you, you don't, don't have footballs, you have quarterbacks. So you don't have right, quarterbacks, exactly. you have right? backs, right. Yeah. And I don't know, I don't know if he fits that mold. I, I, I'd have to do some research on him. I, I was reading something about him a few days ago yeah. where they were talking about, you know, you know, he's in the running and he's, he's, you know, he's, you know, everyone's talking about him. And I didn't see any schools. I couldn't find a, li- a definitive list of schools. I could have looked. I just didn't have the time. Yeah, he's. But he's, I'm going really. So you you making you making the rounds, huh? Okay, interesting. <laughs> but UVA has come up a couple times in the in the different articles I've I've uh, I've read. Which I mean, I don't think he's going to UVA. No, but, no, no. But I think it's interesting that. I mean, he's not going to Tennessee, right? Because they are a dumpster fire. <laughs> <laughs> well, they are a smoldering dumpster fire. Yes. Tennessee is kind of it's cooled down a little bit, but I think what's going to have to happen a lot. I've, I've, I was listening to something the other day, and they're talking about how they're thinking. I don't know, Josh Heupel. Mm, we don't know. I'm like, look, your one's going to tell you the whole story. If Heupel goes out, and let's say they go, let's say they go uh, seven to five. Yep. All right. That that would be great yeah. for, for them because it's a start. Yep. Now if they go out and go six and six. If they go uh, three and nine, this <laughs> is cool. It's, the dumpster fire will start to start to flame up again. You know what I mean? <laughs> and they got some players there, but I mean, there's always Ole Miss, right? Because because Eli went there and and Grandpa and, and, went and there. Grandpa but, went there, and I'm th- I'm thinking oh, I'm thinking he probably go to Ole Miss. But you, but you think they're you think the Mannings are going to entrust their child with Lane Kiffin? Let me let me tell you something. I have <laughs> been a little bit impressed with with Lane Kiffin's restraint. 
And when he, okay, there was the Tennessee debacle. All right, fine. He goes USC. That went south for him. Yep. I think that two, was it two or three years he spent with Nick Saban was probably the best oh, years yeah. he ever spent because he, he's now he's still out there. He's still going to get on Twitter, talk a little trash. He's going to be a little shady in his press conferences. But I will tell you, I am impressed with his restraint. And he's I think he's a much better coach. Agreed. And I think if he comes through to show that, hey, you know, I know what I'm doing here. Like that, not, not outside of being a great offensive mind, but I can basically do the things necessary to show you that I am a responsible adult. I'm not the the USC. I'm not the Tennessee guy. Yeah, there's a, there's a chance. It's a good chance. You know, I've 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 turned around on him a lot too, just from the standpoint of uh, I, I think he's he he's not the same guy he once was. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, he's still got his arrogance to him and all that, but he's also mm-hmm. seen seems like he's he's a lot more humble than he used yes. to be as well. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I don't know. The, the Mannings are all just so clean cut and perfect. <laughs> and I I mean, I know he's not going to he's not going to go with the David Cutcliffe and go to Duke, even though you know that's their guy. But me. David Cutcliffe is a is a very underrated football coach. I really he's like Coach amazing. Cut. He's, he's amazing. amazing. But it's, but it's could crazy. you imagine? Could you imagine Arch Manning at Duke? That would be that'd be crazy. All he yeah. needs is some receivers. It would be, uh, and you know, and they and they they manufacture offense whether they had receivers or didn't have them. Exactly, uh, they do. That's what Cutcliffe does. But uh, mm-hmm. um. It would be fun to see, but uh, mm-hmm. I, I honestly have – I always like to think that I know, all right, well, this makes sense. This kid's going to end up there. Um, <laughs> right, 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 right. Who, who knows? Who knows? They don't. They don't. Yeah. And then we, we we learn later, oh, well, I went for this reason. It's like, but yeah, I mean, but it's fun But it's fun to think about. Oh, absolutely. But now that you brought it up, I'm going, man, Arch Man didn't do – because, again, with Cutcliffe, okay – He's gonna have a decent running back. Not not, not a guy's gonna a guy that might get you a thousand yards maybe once in his career if he oh, goes yeah. for four years. But he's gonna get a guy who's gonna run hard. But not and they usually have some good receivers. But he gets that tight end in there too, so he'll find those sneaky ways to like you said manufacture their offense. They get points at Duke. They get they will Absolutely. roll up those yards. Absolutely. Now on the other side, I think the last couple of years their defense has been pretty good too. I've uh, I've. They have been – they're one of those teams that uh, – it's kind of like Navy. Um, mm. If you lose to yes. them, you get ridiculed. <laughs> but they're really good football teams. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I mean, losing to Navy is uh, – oh, my goodness. You get we, we get tortured that we play Navy every year. Navy is good most years. They are, and, and the years that they play in Ohio State, they take them to the wire, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but but that's what's interesting about Duke is, to your point, um, him and the program are pretty underrated from that standpoint. That mm-hmm. they, they should get more respect than they do. Um, mm-hmm. They should. But, mm-hmm. but a five-star quarterback going to Duke—that's a, a a wild thing. It'd be pretty cool to see. 
But, uh, it, it, w- it would be. I mean, that that would – I think that would – you know, when you look at the ACC, the Coastal Division, I mean, the Coastal Division is a dogfight every week. The Atlantic right now, okay, it's Clemson. Clemson and everybody else. The Coastal, everybody's beating the crap out of each other every week. So, basically, it's last man standing for, yeah. for, for, for the most part. So, could you imagine – I mean, UNC is changing the game with recruiting. Tech is going to do what they're going to do. Virginia Tech. Oh my Georgia God. Tech is kind of coming up. Virginia Tech? Oh, my. I'm sorry? Virginia Tech. You know what I learned the other day about Virginia Tech? I know we're getting a what? little on the topic. On their roster currently, mm-hmm. there are only 10 guys that were four stars. Hmm. We're talking about a, a, a program that just – Five years ago was prideful, mm-hmm. and now they are. I mean, oh my goodness, what is going on there? Well, that's probably part of why a lot of the fans are not happy with Fuente. I mean, again, as a Virginia guy, I honestly say this: if not Fuente, then who? Because again, um, I think he's doing a great job. That okay. um, now, to be real with you. Him going to talk to Baylor a couple seasons ago, that was a bad look. Yeah. Because once he did it, he had to really clean it up, and the fans were on him. And then what proceeds to happen? They had this, they had this terrible season. I mean, well, I mean, they didn't have well, they didn't have a great season, you know. But but you know, I mean, and then they had a lot of guys transfer. But I mean, okay, okay. So if you fire him, you got to pay him, and then who you gonna bring in? So you gotta come starting right. Right, you'll start over. You're gonna bring in Shane Beamer, um, so you can. I, I'm not making. I'm not picking on him, but it 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 it's always like uh, when a team fires someone, they go for the exact opposite of what the person mm-hmm. was before. So they go for the opposite of what Frank was, and now they're gonna go. Okay, now we got to go to nostalgia. So let's bring Beamer Ball back, right? <laughs> and that's kind of that's kind of what I imagine happening but he's at south carolina he'll 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 be all right down there but yeah i i had the same thought the other day and i'm going yeah but they're gonna have to fight ray tanner for for him so ray tanner ain't gonna let shane beamer go no because again he hasn't coached a football game yet at south carolina so that ain't gonna happen or well by the time it happens he probably have a season on his belt that ain't gonna happen so yeah so they better they better figure it out i mean i think i talked about this in an episode that you know they're you know he um Fuente and Whit Babcock, they talked it out. They hugged it out. He basically told them what he needed to do to get it together. Yep. So he just needs to get it together. And I think he will. You know, I honestly think he will. So I think I think it's going to, you know, I would be surprised if he didn't. Now, okay. if I watch this upcoming season and they just look terrible and tank, well, you know, then something, something is clearly happening in that program. But I really think that uh, Fuente will get it together. And I think Tech, tech, Virginia Tech would be okay, you know. But um, um, so so let's look at this. Um, so Kyron, so Kyron Williams is well, he was a sophomore last year, a freshman. So he was he was a sophomore last sophomore. year. So, uh, but okay. he, I, I don't think we're keeping him for three more years. But his freshman year, he didn't use the uh, he didn't go behind playing four games. I think he fumbled one of the first times he was out there, and and he quickly got relegated to. Uh, to the bench um mm-hmm. so potentially up to three years left of him but he's okay. he's an interesting interesting guy he's fun to watch run 
and hard to take down as you as you mentioned because i watched a few games i'm going who is this guy because he is running around and through everybody but again you've got a pretty good offensive line because i think yours your offensive line i think you guys had some veterans you think you guys the guys got some veterans coming back this year i believe this actually actually offensive line is is the biggest question mark Um, biggest question mark okay Three guys got drafted in the first three rounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, one guy got signed. Mm-hmm. That's from the offensive. Uh, so let, let's say the seventh man just transferred to our first opponent, Florida State. Uh, <laughs> okay. And then our star, our one returning regular starter, uh, our center, who was who was very good. Uh, is coming back and we're not sure where he's going to play exactly. There's potential that we might start two true freshmen on the offensive line. Okay. Which, which is wild. So you got a really good running back, but the offensive line's questionable. Okay. I mean, I, they they should be good. I, I don't mm-hmm. give them any excuse. The way we recruit offensive line, mm-hmm. I, mean, I don't expect them to be anywhere like they were last year. Mm-hmm. But they, they should find a way to be serviceable with the talent that we have on the offensive line. And in defense, you guys kind of you lost some key guys on defense as well. We we did, but uh, man, we we brought some we brought some guys back too. We have a defensive line expecting it to be really really good um, mm-hmm. and really deep. Uh, Linebacker expecting it to be very good. Mm-hmm. Safety. Um, one safety we're not sure about yet, but the other safety is going in the top five next year in the NFL draft. Okay. Okay. So okay. Uh, Kyle Hamilton is is out of this world. Um, wow. I can't I can't wait to get to to see him play in a defense that plays a little more to his his strength. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, his strengths are everything, but um, <laughs> to see him attack the line a little less and mm-hmm. to actually be the ball hawk that, uh, that he really mm-hmm. is. Uh, corner, we have a couple guys, but I think we're even looking at uh, some grad transfers too. But uh, I expect the defense is going to be pretty good again. Um, yeah. But uh, the big question is, is I would say the offensive line. And then uh, we've got some really gifted receivers, Mm -hmm. but they are all seniors. And one of them, injury, like, you know, he's the practice, you know, all-star, but uh, he gets hurt. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then we have uh, another guy who, uh, Braden Lindsay, who, same type of thing, burner, um, gadget guy, mm-hmm. pulls his hamstring every other week. Um, but he's, I mean, speed-wise, he's he's reminiscent of Will Fuller. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got probably talent-wise, we've got the best group, but they're also the most unexperienced. I mean, not unexperienced, unproven. Large. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. And then mm-hmm. we've we've got a great tight end. Um, mm-hmm. So I mean the pieces are there. It's just mm-hmm. a matter of do they come together right? 
Um, right, right. And that, and that's where all the coaching and the strategy comes in. Again, kind of figuring out how to play to the strengths exactly. that you have on the field, right? Exactly. So how about don't, this? Don't forget about Chris Tyree. I know you love the okay. Virginia guys. Chris right, Tyree. right. Chris Tyree. Mm-hmm. He is. He's something special, too. So I can't wait to see when they get him and Williams on the on the field at the same time. Like there's a lot of talk about getting them out there together since they can both catch the ball really well. But, so that's really gonna give defenses a fit because you see two tight two two running backs back there, and you're thinking, okay, so are they gonna come with that that full house set? Yep. Is you know you're gonna fake one, send one through the a gap? Is he gonna go out into the flat and catch a pass? Yeah. Yeah, so, so, so you got so you got a plan for every contingency here. We hope so, but you know the offensive <laughs> line still has to block. <laughs> right, right, right. It, it sounds easy, but oh, right, we need someone to block so we can yeah. make the catch. How about that? Right, duh, yeah, stupid right. me. Um, no, so with recruiting, so let's let's end here with recruiting. So this year and next, with kind of what you're seeing, how. Does that push Notre Dame closer to possibly breaking through? Uh, not just well, listen, not just not so much um, conference-wise or oh, conference, but college football playoff. Because I know that's the big thing. Because again, trying to make that push does it th- does the recruiting and of course, as you said, you know, coaching to strengths. Does that help to get the team closer to really making a breakthrough? in the college football playoff? I think that, uh, I mean, every little bit helps, number one. Um, you know, I think it definitely makes a difference, but I think ultimately um, for us, it's a matter of we need a guy at quarterback. I love Ian Book. You know, I'll, I'll lay down for that guy, you know, anytime. Um, mm-hmm. He is he is awesome. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we need a guy that can, that can accurately get it to the outside. I mean, it's not like we haven't had really good receivers. I mean, Chase Claypool just tore it up year one in the NFL. Um, the year before that, Miles Boykin went the second round. Mm-hmm. Uh, St. Brown is hanging around with the Packers and, and Will Fuller, right? So it's not like we don't have – guys on the outside but I don't know other than other than in the Brian Kelly era other than Deshaun Kaiser mm-hmm. don't know if anybody has consistently been able to get us outside the hashes um, and get us going vertical um, so I mean really I in my opinion, that's the biggest thing because I think we get the linemen. I think we get the tight end. Mm-hmm. Receivers, yeah, there, there's game changers like Devontae Smith. You un unguardable, right? Uncoverable. But it's not like we have scrubs either. Um, no. So that's that's really where I see it at. I see the biggest gap right now is, is that – that we don't have quarterback play that is championship level. Mm -hmm. Um, But in that same note, the defense has been really, really good. Um, 
but it's also been very system driven. We're getting better players. It's all been very good coaching for the most part. Mm. Not that we don't have mm. talent. Right. But uh, it, it's really interesting to see that kind of as we started with uh, early on, uh, that Marcus Freeman is, he's going for guys we weren't going for before. He's, mm-hmm. he's changing how recruiting is working at Notre Dame, not just on the defensive side of the ball, but mm-hmm. on the offensive side of the ball. He's saying, why not offer guys uh, something that's been a, a real problem for Notre Dame and recruiting is they wait, and, and this it's terrible for Stanford, but what they do is they wait so long in the process to get everything vetted out, mm-hmm. and then they make the offer. Mm-hmm. Well, well, now, you know, Oklahoma's been talking to this kid with an offer for a year and a half, right? They wanted mm-hmm. me a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. So uh, Freeman's kind of like turning it upside down and, all right, we're going to offer these kids early and we'll have that hard conversation in mm-hmm. a year and a half if they don't have the grades. Um, okay, that's fair. And and that's kind of a different approach to to what's been going on lately. So this defensive class that that we're looking at coming in is is crazy exciting at the moment. And mm-hmm. uh no time like now for this podcast cuz you know, um Official visits. I mean, the doors are open for recruiting as of as of yesterday to get kids on campus. So nice. I'm expecting it to be a wild, wild west of uh, I can't wait to hear about this guy and this guy committing. Because mm-hmm. Freeman's really, really out there just going after it. But but yeah, I think ultimately, you know, every bit helps, but we gotta get better at quarterback. Okay. So is Freeman, is he the recruiting coordinator? So he is, I mean, he's the defensive coordinator. Um, Brian Polian had been doing it, who's an awesome, uh, Bill's son. Yes. uh, Mm -hmm. Has been an awesome uh, recruiting coordinator for us. He's the one who went out and stole Manti from from, uh, USC back in the Charlie Weiss days. (laughs) But... uh, and then Mike Elston, who is like uh, Brian Kelly's, you know, longest. Uh, he's the only guy who's been at Notre Dame with Brian Kelly the entire tenure. They seem to kind of swap back and forth every couple of years with, uh, with who's the coordinator because they actually had to basically create a new position for uh, Brian Polian left being the recruiting coordinator because the uh, – I always mix up the, the letters. Is it the NIL? Um, NIL, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Because they decided we got to get we got to get on top of this, we right? Dedicate right. someone to this because mm-hmm. this could be a game changer if if mm-hmm. we're ahead of the curve. Um, right, right, right. So, but but Freeman has brought the tenacity and the the juice to recruiting that I don't know. I don't think anybody else was bringing. And now since they see him doing it, now you're hearing about Tommy being a bit more of a dog on the recruiting trail. Nice. Um, some of these other guys, they're like, Oh, okay. We can step it up a little bit. Right. 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 You start to learn what the, the reality is when you see someone who's, who's really getting after it. Nice. 
Oh man, that's great. Well, but but like I said, it's it, it's it seems like it's going to be a uh, a cumulative thing, you know, yeah. like you know as it progresses, and then you know not only so much you know you bring in a class, and you know the class gets rated, and you know the recruiting ratings are so subjective because there's so many different you know we got rivals, you got ESPN, you got all these different reporting, uh, scouting uh, for recruiting systems, and you know. A guy who's a four star over here might be a five star over here. Yep. But you bring these guys in, and then you look at okay, well, how do they fit into our current team? You know, because sometimes you get guys that come in if they're really big talents. Many times they come in and they make an impact right away. Absolutely. Sometimes you know you might say, hey, I want you to redshirt because you know you need to work and develop. And then you got other guys that this they just wait their turn. But again the transfer portal is really has changed the game and across college athletics. And now that the NCAA has said that they're going to allow players one time to transfer and play immediately. I mean, they started during COVID, but now that's the new rule. Yeah. Um, it, you know, many coaches on many sports have said that it's really has and will change college athletics um, a lot. And then depending on who you ask, it's either going to be for the good or for the bad. It just, it just yeah. all depends. I'd love to see uh, with that. And I know we're wrapping up, but uh, I love the idea, but I, I'd like to see like an academic component to that, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, give the incentive that, you know, if you're, if you're doing well in the classroom, that, that that's part of the benefit of, of, okay, mm-hmm. you think you can transition a little easier than someone else. Cause uh, you see the the transfer portal and you see transfers, you know, I mean, I, I know you're, you're a huge sports fan. So it's, mm-hmm. you're very aware that a lot of times when you see a guy move on, mm-hmm. he moves on two or three times. That's true. So, so I think the new rule kind of, I think the, the intent of the new rule, and I don't know this for a fact, but it sounds like the intent of the new rule is to say, okay, you get to go one time. Now, I think if you go more than that, then I think you start getting into, okay, now you got to sit. Yeah. But but a lot of these players, they've gotten savvy about it in that they – I'm glad the NCAA did that because I think what in college basketball this past season, um, like the issue with – I know at Michigan State, Tom Izzo had two guys – two or three guys transfer in. I think uh, Sam Hauser's brother – Yep. Um, and a couple other guys. So he, his brother got to play. Um, but the other guy, I forget his name, he had to petition the NCAA to try to get his transfer approved. And so Tom Izzo was upset because he's going, look, why is it I have to prove one guy should be able to play? You let him play, but I have to petition for this guy. You yeah. should just make a bold blanket statement and say, okay, if you transfer, you can play. Or yeah. if you transfer, you shouldn't play. Well, and, and you're 100% right about that, too, because I, I haven't understood over the last two or three years um, when they give an exception versus when they don't. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not going to, like, say the validity of one case versus another because I don't know the details of them. Right. Mm-hmm. But, uh, like, Justin Fields, I didn't expect he was going to play year one at Ohio State. Uh, mm-hmm. Phil Jerkovic, I didn't expect he was going to play year one at Boston College. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so to your point, I have no idea as a, what I, what I think is a pretty educated college football fan. I have no idea what the criteria is for when they're going to decide to grant 
the exception versus not. Um, I mean, Tate Martell, he lost his starting job. So Mm -hmm. he went to Miami. Mm -hmm. And that was enough to grant an exception? Right. Because he got beat out by another guy? (laughs) Right, exactly, exactly. Right. So, so I'm 100 with you. It's it's there's no rhyme or reason, and and anybody who trusts the NCAA, you know, what's that old? Uh, I got a bridge to sell you. <laughs> right, right, and and that and that in and of itself, that is like a whole show into itself. Just talking yeah. about you know the NCAA and all yeah. those issues, and that's a whole nother here, here to do uh, there. What? So one last thing, um, and I know we've talked about this too. So last year, Notre Dame was a full ACC member. Yep. Now they're back to, oh, we're just playing part-time football with you guys. Um, I mean, doesn't it seem like they're double-dipping in a way? Because remember, well, you know all too well, um, you know, they've got that, that big NBC contract. So NBC gets all their home games exclusively, and then they play on the road there on whatever station. But doesn't it kind of seem like they're double dipping and kind of being very like, oh, I don't know, you know, because I don't know, I'm I'm of the mindset that, look, either you're going to play in the conference or you're not. That's just me. No, no, I get what you're saying. And, and it's a fun conversation because it is uh, it is one of the most prominent conversations I have with, <laughs> with anybody. Right. It's one of the first things that comes up. I go, why not just join the. And I'm kind of the opinion of, uh, I mean, because I, I remember a bunch of coaches last year uh, for the ACC when it all started, a bunch of coaches going, what the heck, right? Right. Um, <laughs> you know, they, I think they're pretty savvy from the standpoint of they know the brand is a national brand. Um you can't play the schedule they want to play if you're part of a conference. Um, I love the relationship with the ACC for a billion different reasons. I could, uh, if they're going to join a conference, you know, if it's going to happen, the ACC, that's where I want it to be full-time, 100%. But I do understand with if you really put yourself in the shoes of like a Notre Dame fan, you love the USC game. Uh, mm-hmm. You hate the Navy game because you know, you're going to be battered and bruised at the end. And next week's going to be brutal um, after right. you play them. Um, right. But there's something you love about that too, because if you know the history of Notre Dame football, you know that, or not just Notre Dame football, but Notre Dame, you know that, uh, the university, the university might have ceased to exist without the Naval Academy um, right. in World War II. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's important. And mm-hmm. getting to play the, the Michigans or the Michigan States, depending on the year, um, I don't think you can be in the ACC and, and expect to play that schedule. You know, mm-hmm. going to California, going to Stanford, then going mm-hmm. to Charlotte. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. there's there's a ridiculous um, I, you lose some of the tradition and some of the some of the allure of what makes it so special 
um, the intersectional rivalries, the fact that it is a, a national brand. Um, I, I think that that's kind of some of the downsides of it. I get the double dipping argument, but I, I guess it's kind of like, it's one of those things where it's like, but you can, right? Um, right. right. Yeah. I mean, well, obviously they're getting yeah. away with it. <laughs> you're, you're in the position to do so. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a benefit to these other ACC schools, whether it's exactly what they want it to be or not want it to be. There's mm-hmm. a reason that this relationship exists because it is still beneficial to the other mm-hmm. schools in the ACC as well. Um so it's not like anybody's really getting the raw end of the deal here. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Um, because or else the deal wouldn't exist. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I hundred, it's it's something I hear about twenty four seven. But it, man, I was so excited when if we had come in and we had won the conference, um, and then just left. That would have been <laughs> that would have been so because you know, I'd never have to hear about it again. But uh, everybody, well, that's the thing. You would leave, but then what you got? You've got a lot of pissed off coaches, a lot of pissed off fans. <laughs> and, and what can they do? Nothing, unfortunately. You yeah. know. But I, th- I really do think it's a beneficial relationship for both sides because, I mean, anybody who plays Notre Dame is that is a, I mean, it's a national TV game at that point. Mm-hmm. So what might have been, uh, I mean, and it's not putting any team down, but, you know, Duke playing Wake Forest, I mean, that's not really getting too many people to tune in. That's not getting Duke some of the exposure maybe it wants. But all of a mm-hmm. sudden now Duke is on national TV right. for a mm-hmm. quote-unquote non-conference game. Um, right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Well, well, first of all, I appreciate your explanation and it makes perfect sense. It's kind of like I'm, I'm in my head. I'm thinking about uh, if you watch The Office and uh, you know, Michael Scott, you know, saying, yeah. you know, please explain to me like I'm five. So you did yeah. that eloquently and I appreciate <laughs> that. <laughs> well, Eric, man, I appreciate uh, this uh, kind of you sharing your, your your thoughts, your passion. I mean, you're very, I mean, you're beyond knowledgeable about the your team because it is your team. Yeah. And, um, and also, you know, just kind of, I know we kind of took a little detour through college football because, you know, a lot of the pieces fit very well together. But it, it all it all came together and I appreciate you coming on. And, you know, we, I think, you know, once college football, uh, get started again, you know, we definitely should, you know, maybe uh, get back on and just talk about, you know, just about college football at some point, you know, I, I'd love to have you back if, if, you, if you're if uh, you amenable to that. Oh, 100%. I mean, I, Notre Dame football is my, my love, but, you know, as you said, it all plays a role. So I, I know what's going on out in the, uh, the Big 12 with their basketball scores, as you put it, <laughs> down in the SEC where I've got a whole bunch of opinions about that that we can get into one day too. But uh, all right. All right. but uh, no, this was really fun, and and uh, I'd love to in the fall if uh, if you got the time, I'd talk more college football with you. 
All right. Well, no doubt. Well, we'll definitely get that done again real soon. And uh, and uh, I thank you again. And uh, this has been uh, the end of the first of what I hope to be many episodes that will uh, highlight super fans. Um, so we'll be coming back at you again real soon with another episode. But until then, uh, thank you for listening. Um, as I always end with my episodes, um, make sure, you know, if you haven't, please get vaccinated, protect yourself, wear your mask, drink your water, and mind the business that pays you. Take care. <laughs> Peace out. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Sports Wagon Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, rate, review, and tell a friend about the show. You can also send me a voicemail or send me a message on Twitter or Instagram at It's Uncle Dub. That's I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. Also, please consider supporting the podcast at buymeacoffee.com backslash sportswagonpod. I really appreciate your support. Thank you.